Welcome to Stream Police, the podcast where we tell you what's good, what's bad, and what's ugly on Netflix. I'm John Otney. Joining me, as always, is Mr. Michael Seventy. How are you doing, Michael? Doing well. It's been a while since it's we've done while. an episode. It's been a while. <laughs> we can't just steal another podcast joke like that. Yeah, oh yeah, we can. Whatever. <clears throat> uh, Shakespeare in Love was our last, our last episode, part of our Oscar extravaganza. Mm-hmm. I believe we did end that episode by, uh, I, I, maybe we did, by uh, using the Netflix randomizer, which is an app that generates through random titles on Netflix, to select a title. Did we do that, actually? Maybe we didn't. <laughs> I don't remember. I think we... It's been too long. Yeah. It's been too long. So, for whatever reason, I guess we thought it would be interesting if we did a 1995, I don't know what you, what you want to call it, fest... 1995 celebration 1995 fest that sounds fest i mean i wanted to pick something with alliteration okay 19 wait what alliterative with 1995 so it begins with an n nine five i guess the five okay (laughs) fest fest is close enough you can pronounce it wrong if you want and then like fiest (laughs) 1995 fiest that was totally worth going in depth on. <laughs> what 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 do you think uh, drew us to 1995? Uh, 1995's turning twenty this year. <laughs> I mean, is that it? Is, you think, is there is there anything else about that year that you're like, oh, we gotta do 1995, <laughs> or is it just ah, because of the anniversary? I would say, I mean, I think that was probably the what what sparked it, but maybe also 95 the. That's a year of, of some fine cinema, or I don't know, full of movies that are probably somewhat formative for us, or, or just movies that we like. I don't know. We're definitely getting into territory where, as a, as a boy, I can vividly remember seeing, maybe not some of the movies we're going to talk about, but definitely seeing movies in the theaters Yeah, in 1995, stuff like uh, Casper. Uh-huh. I saw that for my birthday party. Oh, yeah. And uh, I think everyone liked it. That's a weird movie. Uh, yeah, it's got yeah. it's got cameos from Clint Eastwood and Father Guido Sarducci. <laughs> Kids love that. Yeah, they love that. They do. They also love uh, Dan Aykroyd getting a paycheck. He he pops up. <laughs> Mel Gibson. Everybody's just <laughs> in that movie. It had a little bit for everyone. And mm. other movies I remember vividly seeing that year uh, mortal Kombat. i saw that in theaters wow you saw mortal Kombat in theaters oh yeah like i'm pretty sure sh- that had to have been r probably uh, well that's yeah yeah that must have been r but uh i was there huh watching uh <laughs> you were there when mortal Kombat was in theaters. that i guess he was a big puppet goro <laughs> I, that yeah. that's one of my early movie memories i've never seen mortal Kombat. Um, You've never seen Mortal Kombat. <laughs> I haven't lived. Possibly the best film by Paul W. S. Anderson. <laughs> I uh, I I've heard of, about the legend of Mortal Kombat, but I I really I need to see if it's faithful for one thing because I'm a stickler about that with my video game to movie adaptations. It's got to be true. In, ter- in terms of video game <laughs> adaptations, I'd say it's pretty faithful. Like it definitely looks like the game and feels like the game. Yeah. It's you know it's very stupid and it's that weird kind of transitional period where like part of the movie uses 
puppets for some things, but then there's some mm. really bad CG in it too. So it's like Jurassic Park, but shitty on both counts. But <laughs> shitty. <on> both <laughs> I really hope that there's like a, like a, a review on the back of the VHS. It's like it's like Jurassic Park, but shittier. <laughs> but they have to legally they have to include that part of it, but they just put it in really small fonts, just like it's like Jurassic Park, <laughs> but shittier. <laughs> And then other movies I saw that year uh, uh, were Batman Forever, mm-hmm. Power Rangers. Well, a lot of, a oh, lot yeah. of crap. Yeah, I saw I Power Rangers theaters too. I was. That's um, what. Yeah. You know, I got. Oh, you saw it too? Yeah, yeah. And I got the little uh, Ivan Ooze uh, plaything, <laughs> the little Play-Doh play knockoff. Th- I don't. I don't know about this. What's the Ivan Ooze plaything? <laughs> I hope they don't call it the Ivan Ooze plaything. <laughs> but it, it's a. Uh, it, well, you've seen the movie. You're familiar with Ivan Ooze. I'm familiar with the character. <laughs> You're familiar with his work, um, and he has that kind of purple goo that he uses to. I don't know. Hypnotize parents or something. I don't know. And uh, I had some of that, but I didn't hypnotize parents, that's for damn sure. But I also didn't eat it, because I was old enough to know not to do that. So, it was alright in the end. So, it was just like a bunch of goo? It was goo. It wasn't even good goo. It was okay. Like, like Gak? Yeah, I'd say it's like Gak, but even Gak had spunk to it. This is, this is Gak without the spunk. This is just oh, purple. Man, I bet nothing. if you held on to that, that's probably worth something. <laughs> if, I if I went on to eBay still. right now, oh god! Especially now with that fan movie that's that's making the rounds. Oh gosh, yeah, we yeah. might have to revisit that yeah. original movie. We have to get Sean. We have to get Sean back on board to to <laughs> revisit Power Rangers like we did last time. <laughs> right, I'm looking up Ivan Ooze promotional Ivan Ooze, Ooze pro- on eBay. <laughs> promotional Ooze. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, I hope that you have to be like promotional ooze and quotes. You know how eBay searches are. A lot of Ivan ooze stuff, but I'm not finding promotional ooze, uh, so it must be really rare. Sounds rare. Could have made a fortune. Uh, Coulda, woulda, should I guess. Yeah, but well. I think we'll mostly be focusing this episode on <laughs> movies that are a little better than Power Rangers the movie. <laughs> Uh, particularly Dead Man, which will be our featured film. Mm-hmm. And when I say featured film, what I mean is that we will also, after our review, be doing mini lists. I I guess uh, five is considered mini by my definition <laughs> of uh, 95 movies that we'd like to recommend or just find interesting or, you know, stuff that we think is worth talking about. Yeah. Um, but before <laughs> that, yeah, Dead Man. Should we just jump right into Dead Man? Jump into Dead Man. They've come all the way out here. All the way out here to hell. You're just as likely to find your own grave. What name were you given at birth, stupid white man? I'm William Blake. And you are a dead man. All right, Dead Man, Jim Jarmusch, 1995. Actually, the first Jim Jarmusch movie I ever saw. Is it? I didn't know that. Yeah, uh, it was back in high school. Uh-huh. I think maybe 2006, I want to say. And I had a friend that was like, this is my favorite movie of all time. Ooh. And you know, I saw that poster, Johnny Depp holding the gun, black and white. I was like, wow, this looks really interesting. And I remember watching it, and when I saw it in high school... I liked it okay, but honestly, I wasn't that crazy about it. Yeah. And I, I think the reason was at the time, I just had no idea what to expect tonally. Like, mm. I think 
I, you know, saw this movie and who was in it, and I kind of imagined it was going to be something like, this seems like weird to say, but like Django Unchained, which is weird to say because that came about so many years later. But like, I was expecting like Grindhousey, I think. Oh, okay. Uh, for 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 no reason. There's no reason to believe that it would be like that. Yeah. Uh, and then I, you know, I put this movie on, and it's uh, very uh, slow and. Hmm kind of contemplative and philosophical and i guess back then i found it boring but i just watched it again right before we did this podcast and now i really enjoyed it and now i'm thinking what was my problem back then i think it was just setting the right or just you gotta go into it with no expectations Mm -hmm. or just just kind of take it in for what it is because it is kind of an unusual movie in terms of like pacing and tone I guess, should we do some light plot? <laughs> Let's do a light drizzle of plot on that. So basically, Johnny Depp, uh, back when he was doing movies that people cared about... You don't uh, like Mordecai? Plays... What the hell? <laughs> I care deeply about that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Wish I had a good comeback, but I don't. <laughs> Continue, I'm sorry. So, Johnny Depp plays uh, William Blake, an accountant from Cleveland, and he's heading to this town called Machine... I'm not really sure where Machine's supposed to be. I, uh, I guess near the coast, I think, is my guess. <laughs> sure. Not, not that it matters. It's just f- for my own... It's films in Arizona. My own understanding. So. Really? Yeah. Okay. Partly. So he's coming to Machine, and he's supposed to have, he's supposed to have this accounting job with this uh, metal metalworking kind of company, but it's been filled. It took him too long to get over there. Uh, he has no other opportunities. Uh, he's just kind of wandering around. He does meet a lady of the night, uh, or former lady of the night. I, I don't remember. <laughs> a, a pretty lady who's nice to him, and she makes flowers out of paper. And they kind of have, uh, you know, but you know, like a, a connection. <laughs> and they spend some time together, and then her. Was it her fiance, ex boyfriend? I watched it today. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of time has passed since. Uh, no, um, it's kind of estranged uh, fiance, like uh, Gabriel Byrne. <laughs> her Gabriel Byrne. Her Gabriel Byrne shows yeah. up, finds them in bed together. It's gonna shoot this man. Uh, the woman gets shot, and Johnny Depp, William Blake, shoots that man back, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden now he's. A wanted fugitive and we find out that gabriel byrne is actually the son of the man who owns the metalworking company which is robert mitchum which is pretty cool oh, yeah. i mean he had to have been near death when he was making this because <laughs> mm-hmm. i can't think of any other 90s robert mitchum movies this must have been one of his last yeah i want to say it's his last his last prominent one definitely yeah so <clears throat> william blake kind of goes on the run well, first he's he, he's 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 very injured. Like this bullet, because he does get injured in this in this encounter. And he gets a bullet kind of lodged like practically in his heart. So he's basically the Walking Dead sort of. And he meets uh, a Native American named Nobody. Very interesting character who kind of helps him and kind of is helping him like transition towards like he knows he's like gonna die and is he's almost like his like spirit guide. Mm. And they go on this, I want to say, Old West adventure. <laughs> kind of just like this, I guess you could call it a journey of self-discovery. Yeah. I or, I don't know what you want to call it. It's wandering <laughs> around the Old West 
running into dudes and killing dudes. <laughs> I think that's that's a good description of it. I mean, I don't see a problem with that. Um, yeah. Okay. So I think that's about as much as we need to to go into for the moment, anyway. Um, let me just tell you my whole uh, experience with Dead Man, or my okay. my <laughs> my history with Dead Man. Um, I I also uh, first discovered it, I, I guess, in uh, high school. Um, well, first let me say that Jim Jarmusch. Um, I, I don't necessarily have like a favorite director, uh, but he is really high up there for me, both in terms of just me really loving a lot of his movies. Not that he has that many, but like loving his movies, and also just he was kind of like a pivotal guy when I was first really digging deeper in, into film um he was somebody who was like oh wow this is somebody that uh i i can kind of go through his work and, and make these connections and etc cetera, etc cetera. um so in high school i i love stranger than paradise and down by law and mystery train and then i i got to dead man and i heard all about it how it had, it was kind of this cult movie and it it got really kind of mixed to reception i guess when it was originally released but then over the years like jonathan rosenbaum was this guy really uh he wrote a book about it actually so like it, it had like passionate defenders and people were saying oh it's his best movie it's one of the best movies you'll ever see and so i saw it uh i guess kind of the opposite problem is that i had so much um of an idea of what it was supposed to be or or or, i don't know maybe it's just uh maybe it was the same problem i guess just expectations Mm -hmm. um and i was disappointed um but there were so many things around it that i loved i loved like the neil young score i loved like the whole robbie mueller black and white cinematography uh everything if you were to just write out on paper what this movie was so many things about it hit my buttons uh just kind of like this very you know i don't know postmodern take on the western and it's also like this kind of critique of of the old west and this those sort of ideals and all that um but i was like okay i can't really connect with this and i don't know why uh i've seen it since then and obviously just now to to watch it uh for this podcast and i've done it's definitely uh i've grown to really really like it and um i'm thinking that the key to it is is kind of just i'm i'm older now and maybe i have a little bit more patience or a little bit more uh of a desire for some i don't know some more existential uh or just some heavier stuff i guess and um you know maybe i I had to see five other movies to as stepping stones to dead man but that's but anyway i'm, t- I'm taking a long time to basically uh say this and this is what i want to talk about uh this movie is like you were saying it's it's philosophical in, in its way and it's also full of all these like allusions to william blake who the the poet that john f's character is named after and who nobody confuses him for and all that uh i guess uh, what what do you think are are the themes in i hate to sound like a fucking high school lit teacher but like what what um do you think dead man is like about to you just like personally like um i mean i feel like part of it is accepting yourself as being like dead and like accepting that as like a new transition like him casting off his stuffy accountant like life and kind of 
being what, like experiencing what it's like really like to be alive mm. i guess another thing a, uh, a comment that i heard about just about the movie in general is that it kind of rep- some people feel like it represents the death of the western yeah which is i feel like kind of interesting idea because it's, it's you know you think about it, it's filmed in black and white it kind of looks like a lot of those old westerns but you have this character that's not like he's no john wayne or anything and <laughs> it's very violent and gritty and uh, I mean, yeah, I, I I think so far, even I mean, this is only the second time I've seen it. I'm still at a very kind of surface level understanding, I think, of what maybe what's being explored. Yeah, uh, I appreciate it, uh, but I don't I don't you know admit to getting all of it yet. That's how I'm I trying to. I think that's what I did on the second viewing because <laughs> the first time I think I was taking in the style of it, like how it looked and how it sounded, yeah. and this time. I was trying to make more sense of what they were saying. Yeah. And I think I'm getting closer. Yeah, no, like I uh, I remember when I saw it and not really getting it, but I just took the soundtrack on a mix CD and would just drive around at night listening to it. <laughs> and like I kind of like I there were so many surface things I loved, but I was like I don't even know what the hell I'm I'm watching here. And I still don't. Like I don't I don't I don't want to like claim to fully get this or even and like i don't even want to think about it like this is like some movie that you have to like there's an answer to to it or to what it is but um but yeah i don't know i i I definitely feel you i I think just this time uh watching it i i kind of got the sense that and maybe this is um because i watched only lovers left uh, alive again recently but I, I mean, do you think it's kind of like you can make a connection between those two movies? Because you've seen that one too. That's a good comparison. I think they both kind of meander in a similar way, in a, in, the, in a positive way. That's not like a negative way. Like just yeah. kind of like how life is. Life is just kind of moment to moment. Um, <clears throat> I, yeah, and I, I guess it doesn't really have as like, uh, like a tight structure to it. It'll end when it ends. <laughs> Right, and I mean, it's all, like, in both cases, it's like a Western and a vampire movie, but it's Jim Jarmusch making a Western and a vampire movie, so it's it's going to be, like, different from everything else in the entire genre, but also, like, he's, he's kind of, like, with this movie, I, I get, the big difference, but also the big similarity is that one's a movie about these characters that are like alive forever and this movie is about this guy who's kind of like who's more or less dying throughout the movie and and just trying to become as dead (laughs) as longest longest death scene in movie history (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) exactly like and so it's like you know but i think that's kind of the similarity too is that they're both sort of they 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 force you to, to, to meditate on life and death, <laughs> the two, like, biggest, <laughs> you know, themes. But um, by by kind of making this space on screen for you to do that, and it's not, you know, you, you don't have a character, like, looking into the camera and, and, and kind of, like, spelling it out for you. And it just sort of gives you the room in order for you to kind of do the work in a way. Yeah, I thought I heard someone saying somewhere that this was kind of a leap forward for Jim Jarmusch in terms of, I mean, they were saying 
I don't know who they are. I guess some critics Somebody. like it's as good as his early movies were, and they might you know probably even be better. That some of them sometimes it kind of ended with like a trite I- irony, while this one is more. It's like less naive. It's kind of like it's it's not as obvious. So it, you have to dig a little deeper. Yeah, and it kind of shows the signs of a, I guess, more experienced filmmaker in that respect. So yeah, I th- I think it is a leap forward. I I mean, again, I th- I think I don't know that I like it as much as some of his earlier films, but yeah. it's definitely an impressive piece of work and still unique. And uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, well, I agree because I also, um, I, I still can't say that I like it more than uh, his earlier stuff, or I don't know. I, I'd say like it's kind of up on that level of of only lovers left alive for me, where it's I, I really like it a lot, but, um, but yeah, I, I guess I would say that sort of the. I guess one of the things I really appreciate about some of his earlier movies is that there's sort of this very deadpan humor to them. And I, it's, I don't know, that always really appealed to me. And that, I, I guess I just love the characters in them a lot. Whereas this one, even though I think Johnny Depp does a really great job with this character, it is also a little bit more of a kind of like a cipher. Like it's not really supposed to, you know, he represents a lot. Um, you know, it's not really as much of a character that you want to hang out with as much as like, you know, Zach and Jack and Down by Law. You know, but uh, but well, actually, that, here's something we can talk about: is uh, Johnny Depp. Okay. Uh, isn't it incredible to think that this was what Johnny Depp was doing back in '95? It is, especially when you compare it to, I mean, the kind of roles he takes a day. Not just because the kind of roles he takes a day are tend to be big budget movies but also because he plays a lot of caricatures these days yeah. you know he plays people that are bouncing off the walls and wearing crazy makeup and it's weird now to look back and think there was ever a time when he was so restrained and just bare bones and kind of just going off his raw skill mm, yeah which is good he's a talented actor i don't understand why he doesn't have any interest in doing films like this again yeah i don't know i i wonder it's probably one of his better roles in general. Yeah, I I agree, and I think, and like you said, it is like this is as far away from. I I, get, I don't want to use this as an example because this is actually an example of Johnny Depp kind of over the top that I like, but it is very far away from Jack Sparrow because it's very much like a human. Um, it's just human in, in a way mm-hmm. and he, like even like some of my favorite things that he's done like i thought he was great in edward scissorhands and like ed wood but though you know he's kind of playing uh some very specific uh kind of high uh concept not high concept but i don't know some exaggerated i think no high concept yeah. i think in a way yeah that makes sense yeah like and whereas this you know uh he kind of has to imbue this uh, character with, with some more maybe not out and out realistic but i don't know it, it's a little bit closer to something recognizable i don't know it's interesting to see johnny depp in a movie where he is essentially the least weird character <laughs> yeah no totally how rare is that yeah that's fucking crazy <laughs> like that, that's something we can also talk about is the the cast oh, uh, yeah. a very eclectic group of people uh, many 
memorable character actors that just have one scene. Yeah. You know, but it makes them so much more memorable. You totally remember that one scene. Exactly. I know one scene in particular, I mean, there's lots of good moments, but that's stuck that keeps, I keep thinking about is the scene with Alfred Molina as oh, the, yeah. uh, as the shopkeep guy who wouldn't sell uh, nobody tobacco. And then he notices William Blake and wants his, his autograph on a wanted poster. And then he tries to pull something. That's such a great scene. There's like this really uncomfortable mm. tenseness to it. And Alfred Molina is just really unsettling. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of great, uh, little moments that really showcase these actors at their best. Yeah, I mean, yeah. film opens with Crispin Glover being <laughs> just his usual bizarre self. Oh, yeah, no. What were they? What were they talking about? They were talking about something weird. <laughs> well, they were um, at part of the scene. They're talking about you know when everybody's taking their rifles out and shooting out the window, shooting the yeah, buffalo. shooting the bu- so like not just to shoot buffalo, but so that the Native Americans can't have buffalo. Like just to deprive, like, and it's and I don't know everything about that scene from you know Crispin Glover walking in with all that. Um, this isn't the term for it, but train soot on his face, like <laughs> you know what I mean. Like, I uh, it's like you said, like they they show up for one scene and it's it's such a distinctive you know moment in the movie that it just kind of lodges itself in your head for the rest of the film. <clears throat> Almost like it's a. St- I mean, not quite, but almost like it's a string of vignettes that they kind of just yeah. sewed together into this weird mishmash of a western. Yeah. Uh, other other highlights: um, the uh, the three bounty hunter guys. Uh-huh. Lance Henriksen, I think, was my my favorite, just because. Uh, you know, Lance Henriksen is usually, I feel like, reduced to like a lot of crappy B movies. Yeah. But I've always thought he's got a great presence to him, and here he's this murderous cannibal <laughs> bounty hunter and he has some great scenes and he to me is just like the scariest person in this movie yeah no absolutely and he's just i mean they just the way they use him yeah yeah definitely it's creepy like a look i mean just and then they pair him with those other two guys and there's some there's some nice humor there mm-hmm. like offbeat humor but a, a, a lot of good like interesting pairings because there's also those uh those fur trader type mountain men guys yeah and those are Jared Harris, Icky Pop, and Billy Bob Thornton. <laughs> yep. A crazy dinner it, party right there. Yeah, it's like uh, you put all those guys together, and you're like, well, what, what, what kind of scene are you going to get out of that? And you get a pretty good scene, actually. <laughs> yeah, no, I. that's another thing that you can always appreciate about Jim Jarmusch's movies is that he has, like, a speed dial of, of these, I don't know, the, the people from all kinds of fields i mean a lot of musicians i i guess uh but you get to see iggy pop kind of share the screen with johnny depp and gary farmer jared harris play bob thornton <clears throat> and yeah that is that's a great scene and uh and i and i don't know it, it, the movie is full of little moments like that where um you it is kind of like little vignettes little episodes in, in the story that um you know that they they all go really well together and it is like a coherent story but um there were times when i used to have like the really shitty dvd like the first one they ever came out with um Mm -hmm. where i would just kind of go to the chapter selection and just watch one of the scenes like just because i had to like appreciate it as its own like isolated little thing you know um and there's just so many and distinctive images too like the i I don't know if i have like a a favorite 
shot in the movie, but I, one of them's got to be um, the the three the three bounty hunters when they're waiting in his office for Robert Mitchum to kind of come through and they're all kind of practicing their quick draw there's this one shot of them just like pointing all three guns at right at the camera and it's just like the I don't know there, there's something there's it's not even like this like uh, meticulously composed shot or anything but just little little moments of breathing room I guess there's something very artful about it to me that I can't explain it. Maybe that's why I like it, or, or, or I don't know that and like Johnny Depp lying down with the fawn, the know, whatever the animal is that he sees that's dead, and he, he puts his own he puts the blood of it on his face. Like there's just kind of it. It could almost you don't even need like dialogue. You don't need sound. It's it just plays so beautifully to me. <clears throat> I think uh, two of my favorite images are, is one Lance Henriksen eating the hand. Yeah, <laughs> crazy. Uh, I just wanted to throw that out there. It's a good scene. <laughs> and then I love I love that ending sequence where Johnny Depp is finally being I guess laid to rest, being put on that boat, and he's watching nobody back from the uh, from the shore. And then you see Lance Henriksen's character from behind him, and he, and but Johnny Depp at this point, you know, he's dying. He's so tired. Yeah. But he keeps like. He, looking up and then he has to rest his head back down and looking up and you're seeing like this 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 uh, terrible thing like unfold from far away and there's nothing you can do about it and I'm like wow that's a great way to build suspense even I right. mean even if it's not what they're going <coughs> for it's just uh, that was just the the rhythm of that scene yeah yeah was so exciting and such a uh, it's it's interesting that the, how, that's how the film ends you know that's like what a note to go out on yeah yeah like there's no I don't know. There, there's no like easy, <laughs> satisfying. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. It, 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 you just kind of he does sort of drift off into the night, and you know the you literally you see the the Native Americans the and the white man just they wipe themselves out, and then uh, <laughs> watching uh, Blake kind of fade out onto his canoe like i don't know like when when i first saw that i was just like okay that's i mean that's pretty bleak but it's also it's just so matter of fact you know what i mean like it's it's played so straight and so and deadpan i guess like i even though i was saying earlier that um you know his earlier movies had a deadpan humor like this one's got a lot of deadpan humor in it but also like a lot of deadpan kind of moments that are just that really kind of dig under your skin and that's just yeah that's a great one one th- uh thing about this movie that i still feel like i really haven't cracked yet is <laughs> is the character of nobody though yeah and what he is supposed to really represent i don't know i mean yeah. I th- there's one scene that i'm not sure like I, I, I get it, but I, I really like it. it. It's actually, it's not even a scene. It's just a line. Yeah. When Johnny Depp goes up to the campfire where Iggy Pop and Billy Bob Thornton, you know, they're all sitting around eating beans, and they, they ask, who are you with? And he says, nobody. Yeah. And there's just something about that line. It's like, well, it's kind of funny because, you know, that's what that guy's going by. But, right. like, what does that really mean, though? Like, is what is is he, like, someone? Like, what is that? Like, I, I don't know. I really like that, but I don't know if it's just a joke or if there's some deeper meaning there. Yeah. Or, or like, maybe the... Yeah, no, I, I, I get I get that completely. And I... 
I don't know. It, it, it is hard because there, I, I would think and I hope that there is no like easy reading of anything in this movie and that it does kind of right. have multiple interpretations and just layers on top of layers. But like, I don't know. I guess this, this time around, for whatever reason, the thing that really stuck with me about nobody or just, I don't know, about his whole, his whole journey in the movie is just that he, he kind of comes from this uh, it's just his upbringing and when he goes into his backstory about sort of the racism he mm-hmm. he faced not for, from the white man and from you know being like literally sold but also kind of being ostracized from his people and not feeling that he has a people because he he's from he's not from one tribe that you know mm-hmm. it's the mix of the blood like you kind of <clears throat> i don't know you, you get the sense that it, it it's just this kind of portrait of loneliness you know what i mean like uh, and you, you see that a lot in I, I I don't know in westerns I guess just this sort of the one man on his own or or what have you but then I, for me like his his meeting with uh, with Blake just kind of seems like this more of a fateful event on a on a rewatch and sort of their kind of weird twisted buddy road <laughs> movie <laughs> kind of that aspect of it really popped for me this time and but more more so because of of nobody and because of, of you know how he uh how he dies you know how he how he meets his end and you know his the passage he provides for blake but also uh, you know <laughs> he maybe he i don't know how he was a dead man i guess and i, I guess the the poem that they that they repeat in the movie and, and that is is kind of you know hangs over everything is uh or the line from it is every night and every morn some to misery are born every morn every night some are born to sweet delight and i i just <laughs> I, I don't i don't even know what i'm saying right now but like <laughs> but like is nobody like are they kindred spirits in that way and if so what, what does that mean for nobody who who kind of <laughs> who gives uh who gives uh blake kind of this amazing gift really uh at the end of the movie it, what does nobody really i don't know i don't know what what does nobody uh ultimately get <laughs> in, in the end you know yeah um... i don't know i don't know man Maybe that's just. I mean, you keep watching it, and you f- maybe you'll feel like you get closer every time <laughs> yeah. to getting to getting more of yeah. it. Yeah, and that's kind of the beauty of it. Yeah. Because I mean, that, that gives you things to talk about. Yeah. I mean, when you leave it open ended like that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <clears throat> <laughs> Sorry, man. Uh, no, no, that's good. It's just, it's a lot to think about. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I like that the 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 marshals, their names are Lee and Marvin. Lee and Marvin. Yeah, that's so that's so Jim's humor. Yeah, I call him Jim. <laughs> I call him JJ. Here's just a question for fun. Do you have a favorite Jim Jarmusch movie? It is there one that stands out to you as your personal favorite? I think for me it comes down to to either Stranger Than Paradise or Down by Law. Maybe it's they're the first two I saw for one thing, and that's got to be part mm-hmm. of it. But it's also I I don't know. It's got to be one of those. Those probably are the best. Yeah. 
Though I've always been a really big fan of Ghost Dog. Oh yeah, actually. Ghost Dog's awesome. There's Jim Jarmusch's take on the samurai. Film. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's a genre filmmaker, but like, but he, he's just really bad at it. <laughs> you know, he can't. Yeah, you know. It's like, who'd be a good samurai? Oh, Forrest Whitaker. Yeah. Oh, who should do the soundtrack? Oh, Riz. Yeah. He's always like, yeah, Neil Young's gonna do this acid western, and Riz is gonna do this samurai movie, and yeah. Nobody's in that film, too. Yeah, which I, like, I saw uh, Ghost Dog before Dead Man, and I somehow, like, I don't know. Like, that, that was, like, such a surprise for me. It's weird. Wow, yeah. I, 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 don't, I haven't checked out all of all his films, but I'm, I've been itching to for a while. I still haven't seen Mystery Train or Night on Earth. Uh, yeah. I think... Yeah, I think that's it. I think you would love Mystery Train for sure. It better be what I think it's about. It better be about a train where they solve <laughs> mysteries. It's like the mystery machine from Scooby-Doo, except it's a train. And it just breaks <laughs> down in a different town every night. It's just a shitty train. <laughs> you could probably like go to like a, like a cart like a, a network that has cartoons and kind of like pitch that. It's basically just a reworking of Scooby-Doo. <laughs> but, but on a train. It's a train where they solve <laughs> mysteries. Brilliant! How would they pass on that? That's amazing. It's like Scooby Doo times ten. Get Rizzed the music for it. <laughs> he, yeah, I he might. I don't know. He's just releasing albums that won't be released for eighty-eight years, and then doing soundtracks for cartoons. <clears throat> so, Dead Man, is there anything else you you feel like you gotta get off your chest? Some burning <laughs> sensation? Something you gotta? <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I'll just, I'll just say that, like, as far as movies that kind of deconstruct ideas, like, in this movie does that in a couple of different ways, and, you know, takes, like, the Western, or takes, you know, uh, what the West was, not even in, in film, but just in our actual history, and kind of, you know, turns that on its head, or makes you look at it in a different way, uh, I think that... I, I really appreciate the movie on that level, but what I, what's really more impressive to me is that it's never like it's not just saying, "Hey, look at this! Look at you know, look at this stereotype that we're addressing." But like, no, it, it's it's all part of like a larger uh, it's part of a larger journey that that we're on here, and 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 you know we've. We, we haven't scratched the surface and we can't scratch the surface really <laughs> of like of what the movie's getting at on a more like existential level but um but the it's but there is clearly something so many things going on in this movie's mind and that's why i think this is a movie that's well worth revisiting and, and talking about over and over again i agree yeah. you know definitely you should definitely <clears throat> check it out if you're a film student, I'm sure you'll eat it up. It seems like it'd be pretty good for 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 students to kind of pick at from a visual standpoint and just from you know thematically. So yeah. yeah, no. And if if you're if you're like me, if you saw it once and you're like, oh, this is weird, it's it's really worth you know investing some time and, and giving another shot because there's a lot to sink your teeth into. So. Dead Man, check it out. I think it's still on Netflix. Yeah. I of course you I watched, watched it. it. <laughs> <laughs> Unless they took it off like five minutes ago. They took it off five minutes Over ago. Over at Netflix headquarters, like, oh, John watched it. Th- okay, good. We can take it off now. <laughs> they had to make room for uh, 
I don't know, Free Willy. Finally, my favorite Michael Madsen movie. Is that 95? <laughs> put it on the list, put it on the list. <laughs> Damn. 93. Uh, Missed our window. We're going to have to wait till our, I guess, 2023 God podcast. Yeah, that's a wow. Mm. Okay, well, moving on. We do have our list to go through, our top fives. Uh, I want to say favorite films, but mine is very weird. I <laughs> kind of went with more eclectic. Not not all of them are eclectic, just a couple ones. Uh, a mix of movies that I think m- probably most people haven't seen. Yeah. But you might enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> that was my... That's what I went for. Okay. Did you have a different way of constructing your list? Yeah, I mean, I just went for, like, my favorites. Or just, I don't know, ones that I like the most that I were, like... I, I just kind of went to movies released in 1995, and I was like, oh, that one, that one, that one. Um, I will add that, of course, there's a lot of 95 movies that I haven't seen in Odyssey, and that there are some that I saw a long time ago and can't really recall that well. But uh, but yeah, this is these are five that I can stand by and say yeah that could be my top five <laughs> of that year. And we'll touch on any other on any other films in our honorable mentions. Yeah. So I guess I'll go first, and my number five is probably the one film on my list that I don't even know if it's a good film. It probably isn't, but I felt like I just had to put it on there, and that's the Brady Bunch movie. Oh yeah. It's not. <laughs> Okay, so if you've never seen it, that probably sounds like, like, what What are you doing? Like, why would you put that on there? <laughs> um, but for some reason, this movie's, like, stuck with me over the years, and I think that's because it wasn't what, any, what anybody expected it to be. It was, you know, it, it's not just a straight kind of repackaging of, of the Brady Bunch. It's uh, this weird satirical look where you, you take the family exactly as they were back in the 60s and then put them in a modern, I guess, 90s landscape and try to have them interact against 90s people, grunge people. And that <laughs> kind of weird people. culture clash is is the is what's so funny. And the, the way they incorporate old jokes from the show that don't, like, work anyway and are stupid and are cheesy. <laughs> I think probably my favorite in the whole movie is, uh, you know, on the original Brady Bunch uh, show, like, uh, Marsha really wanted to meet uh, Davy Jones. <laughs> <laughs> like, that was a big deal. Like, he was, you know, he's like Justin Bieber back yeah, then. Yeah. And then in this movie, gets Davy Jones to play the school dance. <laughs> you know, there's like this weird, like, heavy metal band on stage. <laughs> and it's like, Davy Jones! And, like, nobody cares. Like, <laughs> and, and bless Davy Jones for being such a good sport, yeah. like, realizing that he's, you know, a nostalgia. Yeah. And then he plays his song, uh, Girl, which is a song that he also played in the original episode, yeah. but with, like, this weird, like, grunge rock backing. <laughs> You know, it's weird culture clash, yeah. and that it, it's this movie's a lot of moments like that. These little ones that just kind of make you chuckle because yeah. it's just kind of making fun of itself. And of course, the movie was written by Bonnie and Terry Turner, and they also co-wrote Wayne's mm-hmm. World. So if you've seen Wayne's World, there you go. It's it's very similar in tone, I'd say, to that, or you know, kind of like a Mike Myers movie. And I, and then of course, Bonnie and Terry Turner also did uh, Third Rock from the Sun and that '70s show. Mm. So if you, if you're fans of those programs this is very much in that mold it's kind of um i don't know safe in like a sitcom-y kind of way maybe that is super appropriate so it's not like really biting satire like really clever but it's 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 kind of a cute movie and it was an interesting experiment that 
I don't know. For all these years, I, I think about it every now and then. Every now and then, I go on YouTube and I watch that Davy Jones clip, and it still makes me laugh. Yeah, totally. I um, I on VHS, I had that and very Brady sequel, which was I think like a couple years later, and had uh, Pavements Cut Your Hair on the soundtrack. Yeah. Ah, yeah. I didn't they have. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I saw that one in theaters. <laughs> Did you saw a lot of movies? The, the, se- the sequel, not the original. <laughs> you're pretty young, man. You're you're getting into some. Uh, not that that's like a you know. I guess that's probably PG thirteen. I think or... it was because my dad was such a movie buff, and when we were little kids, you know, like really little, he couldn't take us to anything. So as soon as we were like, we could start walking. He's like, okay, I'll go to anything. <laughs> Let's just go to stuff. Yeah, no. So. I was seeing all sorts of stuff, including very Brady sequels. Yeah, which I assume is your number five. Not <laughs> your number five. It might be, but it's not. Um, my number five. I went for uh, the underneath uh, Steven Soderbergh movie, um, and I honestly think that if you're whenever I, if you have to choose a movie to point out to to prove <laughs> to somebody. That Steven Soderbergh is a great director. I don't know why this guy is like, give me a movie to prove that he's a great director. He's a weird guy, I guess. Just like accosting <laughs> you in a bar. It's like, all right, let's I'll do it. Fucking hassle. Um, then honestly, um, even though there are, he's made movies that are more important and, and, and better, frankly, uh, I actually would point to this one. Uh, and the reason why is because it's, it's a straight ahead kind of thriller movie it's straight ahead genre movie um being made by this you know really well-respected auteur kind of guy but he he's fantastic the craft is is so great and he's he's so skilled and and he has such a wide variety of skills that uh it's just tight as a drum and and it plays just so so well and i think um i I don't want to say that's been like forgotten but i i think that it's I don't know. There's it's deserving of, of another look. In the um, Criterion DVD for uh, King of the Hill, it is a bonus. Like it, it's not it's it's not in the Criterion collection as its own movie. It's in the Criterion collection as like a feature of another movie, which I I don't know if that says something good or bad or about how people like perceive it or not, but. Um, but yeah, like I, I just think it's something that uh, people should really check out, and it's got great performances from everybody involved, Peter Gallagher especially. Um, so check it out. I've never even heard of that movie. Like Steven Soderbergh is so prolific that I feel like he's made so many movies that I, I just yeah, I can't even keep track of he's, them all. He makes so. like until he quote unquote retired, uh, he made like five a year. <laughs> so you know. <laughs> And they're always interesting too. Yeah. Like he, to this day, he makes really interesting movies. I don't know how he does it. Yeah, I don't know. He's great. God, yeah, you could you could devote a whole month to watching Steven Soderbergh <laughs> films and get totally different experiences yeah. and totally different films throughout that whole month. Oh, yeah. That'll be that'd be some interesting watching. Definitely, we should do that <laughs> at some point. Yeah, yeah. Or not, I don't know. <laughs> no, no, I'm th- I'm thinking. That. We'll see. We'll see. Anyway. Uh, my number four is a very weird movie. I think it's probably. I think a lot of people have probably seen it, cons- which is surprising considering it's weird. And I'm going with the City of Lost Children. The I, actually I didn't realize until right now that it has uh, two directors. Jean Jean Pierre Jeannot is the one I knew. I knew. Uh, he's uh, famous, of course, for making Amelie and Delicatessen. 
and Alien Resurrection, probably his <laughs> his unsung masterpiece. Uh, Mark Carroll is the other director, and this is a very bizarre movie about an I, I don't even know how you describe this society. Some sort of weird surrealist society where there's an old man who's trying to uh, steal the dreams of children. Yeah. Like that's the most nightmarish thing I've ever heard. And the film is very it's like a nightmarish fairy tale. And it is a French movie, but for some reason still has Ron Perlman. <laughs> uh, for some reason, Ron Perlman's there. I don't know. P- foreign directors, just like it's like when I saw um, a couple years ago, Kronos, uh, yeah. Guillermo del Toro, and it had, still had Ron Perlman in it. Yeah, it's like, yeah. wow, there's just... I mean, he has that interesting face, <laughs> and there's just... He, he's very versatile, and he's very good in this as, as well. Sure. And this movie's just creepy looking faces creepy looking people mm. but it's like kind of funny and it's uh, I guess it kind of reminds me of Terry Gilliam a little bit mm. I feel like it's it's like the French Terry Gilliam I didn't get a chance to watch it again so it's not super fresh in my mind but I, I do remember when I watched it uh, for the first time maybe like four years ago it, it really made an impact on me just from a visual standpoint and and from how dark it was and uh, yeah yeah I <laughs> I mean, yeah, I should have, I should have, I really wish I could have watched it again. Um, but no, this is what I'm going off of. Okay. All, all you got was me talking about how it's weird that Ron Perlman is in it. <laughs> it is weird. Um, yeah. So if you think movies are weird for having Ron Perlman in them, <laughs> City of Lost Children. It's a good recommendation. Uh, I haven't seen that movie. Oh, yeah. really? Okay, good, because I didn't spoil anything because I can't remember anything. <laughs> I'm thankful. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I really ought to. That that sounds interesting, and uh, and I'm always down for Ron Perlman, no matter what country he's in. Um, so yeah, check that one out. <clears throat> I should have been more confident, in pretending like I remembered it really well. So <laughs> I could have just, you know, you wouldn't have known. <laughs> I could have made up a bunch of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I I would have believed you because I don't know shit about. I mean, the title alone, you could have gone in so many different directions. I've been like, yeah, that's probably what it is. I don't know. Um, <clears throat> okay, so my my next pick uh, would probably be uh, Dead Man. Wait for it, Walking. Yeah, that's right. You thought I was just gonna throw oh, a Dead Man out there. The sequel, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but they came out with the same year, <laughs> and they took in a different direction. Uh, Dead Man Walking, Tim Robbins directed. Um, you know, I it's 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 hard to like to to make an issue movie. I guess you could you could say um, and, and have it be good. And I and I don't even want to call it an issue movie because I I feel like for one thing that's like because uh, I think it is a high quality movie. And I you know I don't want to like pigeonhole it as that, but it is tackling. Um, a serious subject which is capital punishment and it does have a a stance on it it does have a view on it uh, na- namely that it's opposed to it and uh you know and right right off the bat it's it's in my good graces because of that because i i'm firmly against the death penalty but like beyond that it, it could still be i could still watch it and be like oh that's a shitty movie that i agree with <laughs> if like if it sucked i actually think that it does a very good job of 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 kind of showing the 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 compassionate uh argument against capital punishment uh through 
not, not only the performances which which are quite good but also uh really through through the direction i, I think i think tim robbins d- does a good job of kind of conveying this uh this you know this message and it is kind of again like a message movie uh in a way that it it, it gets i, I don't know it, it be it gets to 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 me anyway um without me feeling like I, i'm being without a message being shoved down my throat because even if i agree with the message i don't want it shoved down my throat um and i think that's part of uh partly because the book that it's based on which is a true story is is very is excellent uh, sister uh helen Prejean and you know the story that she's telling is just a a, a you know it's an amazing one um but yeah it's just a very good movie overall and uh it's this second best movie with the word dead man in it of 1995 <laughs> <laughs> i've always wanted to see it i actually have never I've never seen it, so uh, I, I will check that out most definitely. It's always I feel like every time it's on Netflix, it's always on my queue. Yeah. But I never get to it. One of those, yeah. Another film that's on Netflix that may not have got to is my number three, which is a little movie called Smoke. Ah. Starring Harvey Keitel. Are you familiar yeah, with Smoke, yeah. Michael? That's another, uh, yeah. Just curious because you're, you're oh. I just I just like it when you when you reveal things. I'm like, oh, he said something after leading up to it. <laughs> uh, have you seen Smoke? Yeah, uh, I saw S- Smoke on YouTube in like uh, high school and broken up into parts. <laughs> that actually would kind of work. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So Smoke is a is a movie that's kind of a bunch of different characters' stories. Uh, I guess you could say vignettes because the movie's broken up into, like, you know, there'll be a title card with a character's name, and then that segment of the movie will mostly follow that character. Though all the characters intertwine, but it's mostly based around Harvey Keitel. He owns this smoke shop in New York, and uh, it's just him and all his stories and his love for New York and his relationships and these these people that are part of his life. Um, probably for me, the most interesting was William Hurt. He's this uh, depressed writer. His wife uh, died, and he kind of takes this. Uh, I guess you'd say he's kind of like a drifter, or, or he's just he's he's kind of like a runaway Harold Perrineau, and a, a young Harold Perrineau is a is a kid named Thomas. So he's going by Rashid, and they kind of have, form an interesting kind of friendship. And I, I and I, I just love watching the these characters interact and, and the dialogue. Forrest Whitaker is in there and he's great. I always love watching Forrest Whitaker, and I just love watching the stories. You know, it's a great like it's one of those where you could just sit down and w- read the screenplay and really enjoy it, or like a play. You know, it, mm. it's just all about the dialogue. So yeah. that's why I feel like I can't really say that much about it because it's just you just gotta sit there and listen to it. It's and Harvey Keitel is just so great. I I, I feel like I can't think of anyone else who just sums up what it's like. At least from out for me as an outside perspective, see what it's like to be a New Yorker mm. and and kind of have a love for that place and everything. Uh, but I was I had a great time watching that. I I was looking through ninety five movies on Netflix and this is one I did not know anything about, yeah. so I just went for it yeah. and I had a great time. Yeah, yeah, that's that's cool. Then and you you're right. Like that is it's very much like all about the dialogue and, and just kind of you know and it delivers on that front for sure and. Um, and that's that's a movie that actually did have like a sequel, quote unquote, that came out the same year, <laughs> but for real, 
with Jim Jarmusch mm-hmm. in it too. I haven't seen that one, the blue in the face thing. But yeah, I've yeah. heard of it, but I yeah, I've not seen. Yeah, it. but yeah, no, that's yeah, good choice there. Um, okay, uh, I'm gonna go more conventional <laughs> and uh, say Before Sunrise, um, the mm. f- first of, uh, of Richard Linklater's trilogy, and um, I I really don't know what to say about it beyond that you know hasn't been said before i don't know i I think that of the three maybe it's because you know that's when the characters are closer to my age range and maybe that's why but i think it kind of resonates uh with me on a more i don't know personal level and um yeah and i I saw with Richard, like okay, with a lot of directors, I guess I see their movies that are inspired by other directors before I see the other directors are inspired by. So even though there's this is kind of like, um, you know, Eric Romer is kind of like where he's who he's sort of referencing like in in, in a way. Uh, I saw this movie before ever seeing any before ever seeing any like French New Wave movie. Period. Really. So. Um, so yeah, no, I there's a lot of things that I, yeah, that I that I like about this movie that can be found in throughout film history and throughout this kind of subgenre that I don't think uh, I've ever liked more than in this movie, and it's a great hangout movie too, which Linklater I think has always excelled at. I think he's like the king of hangout movies and, um, and like a, a very romantic movie in a world where most like supposedly romantic movies are anything but and are usually quite shitty so um c plus <laughs> there we go so you said you said that you didn't think you could say anything that no one is already said you know? and then you just went on there and then you I go, gave it a shit right <laughs> no but yeah that's the only that's the only one of the series i've i've seen but i did <clears throat> I did enjoy that one as well. I think everyone does. Yeah. I um, hope so. <laughs> yeah, I guess I got to check out the others at some point. I should try to watch them all in one day. <laughs> Get the real experience. I'll watch one. I'll watch one at sunrise and <laughs> sunset. Then I got to somehow finish the other one before. Uh, man, that reminds me that I saw somebody say that they're going to watch all six, the, all three Hobbit movies, then all three Lord of the Rings movies with the extended editions and it's going to take 20 hours, but they're going to do it. It's like, wow, that's going to be great. That's two great movies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, who would do that? Um, we know who would do that. Let's, let's... <laughs> we know, we know. We'll just move on from that. I guess that brings us on to number two. <laughs> for my number two, I, I, again, just kind of went for, uh, for something I'd never heard of took a took a total weird chance on it and actually really liked it um and it's a 1995 actually it's an anime anthology film called memories Mm. and what drew me to this film is i saw i saw an an anime film earlier this year called perfect blue which is by this uh uh director named oh what's his name satoshi khan Mm. And that was just a really interesting kind of thriller. It's about a pop star who's being stalked by this really creepy guy and won't, won't leave her alone. And what was interesting to me when I was watching that movie is it didn't really feel like an like an animated movie. It just kind of felt like it was uh, 
this really dark, serious, like it could have been live action, like uh, thriller, but just had some animated flourishes in it. And I got really interested in this Satoshi Khan guy. And I wanted to check out this Memories film because he uh, he wrote two of the segments. There's three there's three segments in this film, and the more I'm getting into this guy, I'm like, wow, he's a very good writer too. Uh, and it's very sad because I have now found out that he's actually dead wow. uh, uh, from pancreatic cancer at age 46 mm. in 2010. But he's he's made lots of anime films that I've 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 heard of. I haven't seen yet, but I want to. Films like. Uh, Paprika and Tokyo Godfathers, which are, I'm I'm getting to those eventually, but Memories is what I'm focused on right now. And I think the general consensus on people that have seen this movie, which isn't a lot, it seems like, is that the first segment of this film is definitely the best. And I guess I'll start by saying they're all kind of sci-fi, all three of them. And the first one is basically about this uh, this group of guys who uh, fly a spaceship. It's kind of like a salvage freighter, and they find this. This uh, this abandoned ship, and they think there might be a person on there, and it's like this like uh, this tomb and this memorial to this opera singer, and like they use uh, Madame Butterfly like music in the segment, oh. and they're just kind of like delving deeper into her life and 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 this tragedy like that befell her, like she lost the ability to sing, and her fiance died, and but then there's like this weird like I guess a ghost hologram of her kind of floating around and like playing with people's minds. And it's just very stylish, and uh, the the music works so perfectly, and I I just it's very visual, so <laughs> like I'm probably it. not doing it justice, but it's it's very very interesting. Wow! And then another segment, I'll I guess I'll describe the other two, but I'll try to be quick. The second one was actually really disturbing, even though it's probably the segment in the film that's played for comedy, and that's a uh, about a uh, pharmaceutical technician guy who has a cold and he takes this pill that he's not supposed to someone's like oh i need some cold medication or something he takes the wrong thing and it starts making it so he starts secreting this smell that kills everyone around him Mm. and then he keeps trying to go for help but he just kills people instantly and then the smell gets stronger and stronger and this cloud forms around him and it you know gets to the point where the military is like coming after him but they can't stop him because the smell is just too bad and it's like killing everyone and it's really disturbing. Like it's a really interesting kind of like premise. I I could totally imagine it being like, I mean, not, not Twilight Zone, I guess, but kind of in that vein. Um, I, I don't know. There's something about it. Yeah. And then the the final segment, which probably is the weakest, but it's okay because it's only like ten minutes long. The other two are more like forty minutes yeah. long. Is about a uh, this walled up town. Uh, uh, with these huge walls over it, and and what they do every day is everyone just uh, gets ready to fire these huge cannons because it's supposedly they're in this battle. But then by the end of the short, you kind of come to the conclusion that they don't even know if there's an enemy still because mm. they've been walled up for so long. They just that's what they do is they just fire the cannon every day just because that's what they're used to doing, huh. and that was kind of interesting. And it's kind of hard. Like I don't really know how these films tie together, and I know I don't know if it was clear in my vague descriptions of them how they tie together but that's kind of what's interesting about it is it's just this weird kind of uh, amalgamation of, of sci-fi ideas thrown into one i mean i guess they nah, no i can't i can't do it i can't i can't tie them all together in, in one into one coherent like thought um but they're really interesting shorts they're it was kind of tricky for me to find the whole film uh, but if you can, like, it's 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 an interesting piece of, of animation. It's, it's probably not the best anime film you could you could go check out, but it's definitely an interesting one. 
So if you ever get an opportunity to somehow see memories, I would I definitely recommend it. Interesting stuff. Yeah, no, well, that, that sounds really interesting. I uh, I didn't know that existed. Um, I mean, I didn't either. Until <laughs> it, I just found it. It found, it found you. Yes, I uh, I'm super uh, anime ignorant. I don't. I've never. I mean, I've I've seen anime, but like I I, I don't know that much. Um, I I really ought to check that out. That sounds awesome. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing is, like, at least with people of our generation, I feel like we kind of grew up and you had your really crappy, like, Dragon Ball Z and Pokemon that, you know, we all liked as kids. But then you get older and you get, you realize how how bad all that was. <laughs> and there's still a lot of, like, other bad animes like that. You kind of overlook that there's actually, like, filmmakers that have used this, medi- this um, medium to, like, make really interesting pieces of art and storytelling. Right. And I'm just like now, like right now, finally getting into some of that stuff. I watched all the Studio Ghibli movies oh, yeah. last yeah, year, yeah. and now I'm I'm starting to watch some more of this guy's uh, uh, films, the Satoshi Kon, and you know, just kind of it, it's interesting to to delve into this and see how they use animation in ways that you just you, you can't use live action to do some of this stuff. So God, man, that's yeah, that sounds really cool that you're like delving into that. I, that's <laughs> I'm trying. I'm yeah, trying. no, it's cool. I uh, yeah, I, I I really should check that one out. It's definitely on the top of my. It's not on Netflix, but on top of my like mental queue of <laughs> things to watch. Um, <clears throat> here's another great anime movie, Toy Story. <laughs> nothing pisses off like huge anime fans more than when i i used to one time in in school in school i i i kept telling this guy that uh oh my favorite anime is probably Rocco's modern life and he was like that's not an anime and i was like no i don't know which i was just being a jerk but um but anyway toy story um not a nostalgic choice um I mean, like, I, I, you know, that is probably the first movie I ever saw in theaters. Uh, it is a movie that I watched countless times as a kid. It is a children's movie, I suppose. Uh, it's also just a great movie. It's just a super well-told story. Uh, it's it's moving. It's, it's very funny. I think the jokes still hold up, which I was very surprised by. Um, I didn't... I, I watched it last time, actually, a couple years ago, but... Um, but it's still funny. I think the I, I I guess I was expecting it to to work on every level except humor, maybe because I was just like, ah, oh, well, you know, these are probably going to be stale jokes. But no, uh, it, it's because it's, it's not like all the the humor is built solely on like, oh, remember Mr. Potato Head toys? Like the, the <laughs> there's jokes from like from characters and from the situations, which I I don't know. Um, but yeah, no, like, I, I don't have to explain to you why Toy Story is great. Come on. Like, I, I, I think it holds up great. It's, uh, it's just a phenomenal movie. It's a great screenplay, uh, great characters. And the, the climax of the movie where it references freaks and the one of like all ever, all the myth, like the crazy toys that are crawling towards Sid, uh, is is one of the great movie climate like that's just such an amazing scene I got I ah, God I love it Toy Story yeah all right so that's all I have to say about Toy Story the perfect example of the three act structure yeah I feel like that comes up time and time time again in all the screen 
books. Yeah, I think so. I've read, which is nice because usually the screenwriting books I read always have references to weird movies. You're, you're, and you're like, did the author like know somebody who worked on this? Like, why is there a whole chapter dedicated to Sea of Love, <laughs> Al Pacino? Like, is this the best? And then movie you look really closely at the author picture. And it's like, wait, is that just Al Pacino and a fake mustache? <laughs> yeah. No. I'd read I that. Would, God, I would fucking love Al Pacino's screenwriting book. <laughs> There's, I don't know. <laughs> <But> anyways, <laughs> it's gonna make some bad jokes. I'll just go ahead to my number one. It's probably my safest pick. Uh, it's not that obscure, like some of my other weird obscure movies, like the Brady Bunch movie. I'm, I, I guess I was trying to turn that into a joke, but I guess that no, is it, kind of an obscure I, movie. It, it works as one for sure. <laughs> uh, but anyways, I, I just went with uh, Twelve Monkeys okay. as my number one. I still remember the first time I saw it, and it really stood out in my mind as just a very weird piece of sci-fi. But I, I love how the it, it purposely there's stuff in there to throw you off. I mean, the title of the movie is is misleading, and that in itself is probably a spoiler. <laughs> but I, I don't care. I, I love time travel movies. And I think this does a great job. Uh, it's always nice to see Bruce Willis in something where he seems like he might care. <laughs> Uh, I don't think Brad Pitt is great in this movie, but uh, I don't know. He got an Oscar nomination for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why I point that out, but it, I guess it's just it's something to point out. And um, yeah, I don't know. I, it, it's a TV show now. That came out recently. Right. Yeah. About that? I forgot about that. I have no idea huh. what that is about. Yeah. Like what, what's works. the yeah? What what's the series then? It's just I don't hmm. know. It's called it's also called 12 monkeys on the sci-fi channel it's it's about the same character james okay. cole uh trying to uh stop the army of the 12 monkeys All right. but uh i guess i guess it's maybe just a retelling but very slowly <laughs> kind of like how they did that uh from Tus- from dust till dawn yeah uh tv show where the uh first episode is basically like the first like three minutes of the right. film. it's just the movie if it took longer yeah <laughs> basically and i don't know i i'd talk more about 12 monkeys if it wasn't the fact that i i haven't actually watched it in probably a year or so but i i remember every time i've, I've watched it I've, I've just really enjoyed how they handled the the time travel mechanics and the uh just the, the humor and the visual flair i mean terry gilliam he's a he's a weird dude and he always makes stuff interesting and i think this is, i think this might be i mean i guess most people brazil is probably their favorite terry gilliam movie but i think 12 monkeys is actually my okay. favorite yeah I'm, I'm going I'm saying it I'm <laughs> you're putting it down on the record that it's your favorite yeah so that's it just 12 monkeys my number one yeah Michael you're number okay. one um, my number one choice uh, is not only a great movie and at the moment <laughs> my my answer for favorite 1995 movie but also my go-to comfort movie um, I watch it at least like once a year and it's always a good old time uh and that's kicking and screaming no not the will ferrell soccer movie although that's my other go-to comfort movie and it's my second favorite movie of 1995 it's 2005 <laughs> it, it's your comfort it's your comfort movie to comfort no i was gonna make a joke but I'm not confused. <laughs> keep going. Hey, that came out that came out in 2005 yeah, no that's 10 years eh? later. so they i guess i think i was trying to say that <laughs> Watching the '95 one is your comfort from after watching the 2005 it is. one because you know, it's like because it's like that bad. But it, I I messed up. The I got order. what you're saying, man. It's all good. You I did it. it. I did it in reverse. So it made no sense. And I just I just gave up mid joke. 
Yeah, I think you salvaged. That's what it. I want to see. I want to see. I want to see a comedian that goes up and just gives up mid joke. Uh, I think I saw that guy. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, no, I. God, it is a, a great comfort movie though, and it is uh, my favorite Noah Baumbach movie, even after, um, you know, every. For, say what you will about Squid and the Whale, Francis Ha. I, I don't think he was ever uh funnier or had uh, better characters or made a more warm movie made a more sharp movie um really i think this is uh i, I only saw it for the first time a few years ago so i, I think saying i watch it every like it, it's it's a fairly recent comfort movie I, I guess i could say but um but it is still like uh i don't know i i i see <laughs> I've kind of asked questions that are posed by the by the characters in this movie, and and I've had similar frustrations, and just uh, I don't know. I can return to this uh, each time, and and like you know, before sunrise, it's a great hangout movie, and I, I enjoy kind of spending time with these characters, and uh, whenever I try to write a screenplay, which is more and more rare these days. Uh, I always I, I I think he kind of writes like I try to write and I think that the I don't know basically the sensibility of this movie is just right up my alley um but you know beyond all that like if for forget all that and forget like it's not going to resonate with everybody in the same way but if you just want to see a really well made movie that's very funny and has great performances check out Kicking and Screaming um it's it's just top notch I love that movie I still haven't seen it. It's so fucking good. You tried many times to get me to watch it. I feel bad that I was always like, "We'll we'll get to it. We'll yeah, get it's to it." It's all good. But we're getting to it. I I definitely I'm interested, and I've liked the Noah Baumbach. I have seen. Yeah, so it's really good. That's that's awesome. <laughs> all right. So honorable mentions ninety five. Is there any ninety five movies that you wanted to watch but you just couldn't get around to it? Oh, I, like all of them. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I want to watch Clockers. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Clockers. I don't know. Uh, I've never seen that. Yeah. Once I give Heat a, a, a run through, I want to. I have seven, and I've seen seven. I don't, I was gonna watch it, and I it's been a long, long time, but I uh, just didn't for some reason. I don't know. Seven. Hey, did you ever hear? This is a little story. You ever hear the story about Seven and how they um wanted them to change a whole bunch and they uh they they the, the studio approved like a new script where it like had a happy ending but then they sent out the wrong one they, they sent out the original one that still had the bad <laughs> ending so they shot that one bad ending in terms of like downbeat yeah. like that's not what the studio wanted they just they just sent out the wrong wow one. really yeah to, to the to, theaters uh, to <laughs> like they to fincher and he was he's like this is awesome <laughs> this. Like, the, wow. the, the studio totally fucked that's up. That's hilarious. Like that's not the movie they wanted to make. Ah, but thank yeah, God, because it would have probably been. It wouldn't have been nearly as like, good. So it was like, what's in the box? Oh, puppies. <laughs> <laughs> All uh, right. Well, okay. Yeah. Well, hey, that's wouldn't a, have been that. God the studio fucked up. You know, one movie I'm wishing I did include now because I mean it's it's a famous movie, but I feel like it doesn't get that much love. Even though when I saw it, I was really impressed by it. it was Casino. Uh, yeah. I actually really like Casino. I mean, it's I mean, it, it is very similar to Goodfellas. It's definitely cut from the same cloth. I mean, of course, it's not nearly as good, but it, I mean, it just has that kind of quick wit to it and and, and humor and great uh, performances. And I, I really like Casino. I, I'm thinking I should have included that 
honorary number six. Yeah, not, I, I think that's the a lot of people. That's the knock against it is that it's like uh, Goodfellas. Um, I uh, saw it once when I was very young, and I fell fell asleep. But that could be, uh, <laughs> you know, there's there could be many reasons for for that. Probably because I was uh, young and watching a three hour movie. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I should I should check that one out again. It's got a uh, Joe Bob Briggs. Mm, yeah. Do you know who that no. is? <laughs> yeah, I do. Joe Bob Briggs yeah. uh, used to host like a horror late night horror show on TNT that I used to watch with my dad. Yeah. So when I watch her the first when I watch Casino for the first time a couple of years ago, and Joe Bob Briggs is in the movie as an actor <laughs> with lines and a scene with Robert De Niro, I was like, how did this happen? <laughs> So if I ever meet Joe Bob Briggs, <laughs> you, can, you know, B B movie critic, I guess is what you'd call him because he reviews yeah. movies. Um, I'll definitely ask him about that. Uh, as for other movies that I wish that I'd gotten around to, but I didn't, uh, there's actually a couple more anime films that I wanted to see for this list. I think probably the most notable is Ghost in the oh, Shell, yeah. which I've always heard people talk about, but I've never yeah. seen it. I don't really know anything about it. Um, Roger Ebert liked it okay. Ah, so there you go. So I guess it, you know, uh, I, I respect his opinion, so I'd be interested in checking that out. Also, uh, another a, a Ghibli film that is not directed by Hio Miyazaki came out in 1995 called Whisper of the Heart about a violin maker. Oh. And uh, that sounds interesting, so I wish I had gotten to uh, check that out. I think it has like a 96% on Rotten Tomatoes, hmm. so it's better than the Brady Bunch Whoa. movie. Damn. High praise. All right. Oh, and of course, Major Pain. <laughs> God, okay. Uh, I want to say something, but I don't. I, no, okay. say it. Remember that guy in our screenwriting class that was kept using Major Pain as an example? <laughs> as if it was just like, it never got any better than Major yeah, Pain. Yeah, like he just goes, well, you know, like in Major Pain. Like I was just like, why is that your go-to for every single <laughs> element? But then that made me realize like, man i don't know it's been a while maybe i should check out major pain and just realize that it's just this masterfully written screenplay and you'd always talk about like how good it was like it was common knowledge like it was just acceptable <laughs> everybody yeah. knows major pain is such a good yeah, movie like it was like he was just talking about it like it was chinatown <laughs> I, I don't think anybody's ever loved major pain that much fun fact major pain was directed by the guy who played michael myers in the original halloween yeah nick uh castle castle yeah. He became a director <laughs> and directed uh, Major, Major Pain. Pain. Yep. All right. All right. The production company is Wife and Kids Productions. Huh. You know, I mostly know him for his work in the band that did the song Big Trouble in Little China. Uh, he's the keyboardist. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> We're going to have to watch that uh no, I'll just review the yeah, music video. Yeah, I know, think I know the ending music <laughs> for this episode. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't know. You don't have to. It's a good choice. Ah. But do we we want to use it this nah, early? No, you're right. Save it. Like, save it. Save it. We've got to save it for our 100th episode. <laughs> sure. So I guess this goes on to the point in our show where we'd go to the Netflix randomizer, which is a app on all flicks where we randomly generate through uh, Netflix titles. We'll bring up three different titles and then try to pick one, mm -hmm. though we'll do that in between episodes. Um, Michael, do you have the app available? Ready? It is available and it is ready. So let me just click on the old thingamajiggy. 
settings so that it doesn't have TV shows in it because you don't want that. I'm praying <laughs> right now. I'm praying for something not not horrible. And your prayers have been answered by The Onion Field, 1979, uh, directed by Harold Becker. This true story follows the psychological collapse of cop Carl, whose partner is murdered in front of him. Carl tries to put his life back together while wrestling with the guilt of surviving the ordeal and letting the killers get away. Stars John Savage, James Woods, and uh, Franklin Seals, and Ted Danson, um, and Christopher Lloyd. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and also, uh, I remember that there was an episode, there were some news special ones that, not news special, but like some news magazine type of show that was interviewing Siskel and Ebert uh, back in the day about how they review movies, and they... They just followed them around, and Siskel and Ebert watched uh, this movie for some reason. It was being re-released. I don't know. And uh, they talked about it in that thing. So that's how I know this movie. Oh, yeah. I've never heard of it. I see now that it's also a novel. And it is a true crime. True crime. (laughs) So, yeah. Uh, Okay. The the Onion Field. Interesting. Okay. Uh, Let's see what else. Ah, two. Okay, this one's kind of the same movie so we might want to skip it but it's a uh, brats baby save christmas uh <laughs> when a trip to the mall with gran leads to a shocking discovery that santa won't be able to deliver this christmas the brats z baby z take matters into their own hands and work together to save the holiday i did not know there were brats babies and i don't really know how to feel about that where do they come from, from the brats i suppose <laughs> like aren't they teenagers uh, yeah well it's a commentary Huh. Gosh, it's, did you say Christmas yeah, too? Christmas. <laughs> so it's got it's based off toys of teenage dolls, and there's also babies and Christmas in it. Hits all my buttons. I think that's <laughs> my keywords. We might have to roll one more time, or not a fourth time. All we'll right. see. I don't. How long? Seventy-four is it minutes. Seventy. That's. Kind of, I guess that's technically feature length. There. All right. Um. This next one is completely different. It is The Trap, 2007. When their son is diagnosed with a deadly disease, uh, Maladin and Maria uh, place an ad in the paper seeking help with the cost of his treatment. The only response comes from Milos, who will pay for the boy's care if uh, Maladin murders Milos's business partner. Tension threatens to tear the couple apart in this morality tale set amid the social disparity of modern-day Belgrade. It is 102 minutes, and it is a foreign film, as you can tell. And IMDb rating is yeah. 7.9. Okay. My only worry about those kind of movies is usually that when we try to talk about the characters in those can't movies, their names. <laughs> we can't pronounce anything. Uh, but uh, I'm open-minded. What, what it's was it called? It's called The Trap. <laughs> the yeah. Trap. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's, but it's not like... It's not like an actual trap in it, like a like a bear yeah, trap. Trap is a metaphor for bear traps. It's a metaphor for a trap. Yeah. Okay. All right, and uh, click it again. Uh, Gasland, uh, in this Oscar-nominated documentary, director Josh Fox journeys across America to examine the negative effects of natural gas drilling, from poison water sources to kitchen sinks that burst into flames. Stars Richard Nixon, Dick Cheney, Pete Seeger. <laughs> Dick Cheney is my favorite actor. Yeah. 
I ever meet him. Can you autograph this still from Gaslight? <laughs> Can you autograph this still from Dick starring Jenna Elfman? <laughs> that was you, right? <laughs> um, yeah, we don't usually do documentaries. I don't know. They just they never, they never seem as much fun to talk about. I don't know why. Yeah, I can I can see why that would be like a. I mean, not for every documentary, certainly, but for something mm-hmm. like this, I, I don't know if we would have a lot to talk about. That wouldn't just be us talking about, you know, gas drilling. Which do it one uh, more okay. time. I'll do it one more time. Sorry, something amazing just happened in this room. Okay, <clears throat> one more time. Uh, an extremely goofy movie. <laughs> <laughs> wait but what's the movie michael haha <laughs> that's where you're confused it's titled an extremely goofy movie goofy's son max heads to college eager to experience independence but when goofy loses his job he gets sent back to school himself ending up at the same college as max can their bonds survive can their bonds survive mortifying social embarrassments and a generation gap uh this is the sequel to a goofy movie i have seen it and uh when i was a kid i really liked it (laughs) it combined my two favorite things goofy and his son max and extreme sports like max is in like the x games in this movie for some reason i don't know why uh polly shore is back and bill farmer is in this too (laughs) but michael i gotta ask you one thing is powerline unfortunately no tevin campbell does not reprise his role as powerline (laughs) (laughs) you know actually i've never seen an extremely good movie man i feel like most people our age have yeah so it's i don't know how i missed out Dude, did you think a goofy movie was goofy this one is so goofy it'll make you sick it's extremely goofy i mean yeah so much goofier everything about i'm looking at the soundtrack had benatar (laughs) really (laughs) Yeah. Hmm. I'm interested actually. I've never I've never seen the second I like a Me goofy too. movie and it's 1990 it's a 1995 film the yeah. original. So it's like if we read it be like it's a sequel to this podcast. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> All right. Interesting, interesting. Okay. I'm glad that came Me too. Up. Me too. So if you like what you heard, you can check us out at mildlypleased.com or you can check us out on iTunes by searching uh, Mildly Pleased or Stream Police. Uh, I don't think there are any other Stream Police podcasts, so if you can't find us, you're not looking hard enough. But we're out there. Michael, do you have any last words? Uh, yes. Congratulations to Benjamin Morgan and Hannah Chikaulis, my two friends from high school who just got married. I'm trying.